invite you to hear these words of God. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by, in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Back in 1961, the Soviet Union controlled much of Eastern Europe. They controlled East Germany. And they built a dividing wall. That wall not only divided East Berlin from West Berlin, but it also divided East Germany from West Germany. Families divided on either side of that wall. People, friends, divided on either side of that wall. Divided on one side freedom. On one side slaves to communism. On one side, on one side atheism. On the other side Christianity. On one side fear. On the other side freedom. And what we see in this, in this mix, we see a dividing wall that keeps one from the other. In fact, over the next 20 years, people were continually trying to escape out of East Germany, to find freedom in the West, and many were killed in their attempt. And then in 1989, some of you will remember this, the wall fell. The wall that divided East Berlin from West Berlin. The wall that divided East Germany from West Germany. The wall came tumbling down so that people could now, they could now be family together again. They could be community again. Christianity could now go into the East. We see that capitalism could now go into the East and the people were free to, to determine their own government. Friends, what we're going to talk about this morning is a much more serious wall a much more serious barrier, a barrier that we still see today, a barrier that Jesus Christ has absolutely destroyed, that Jesus Christ has broken down much as this wall that you see that divided East Berlin from West Berlin. And what we see in this passage, and it will continue as you hear Pastor Charlie and Pastor Day, you're going to see the wall that Christ, the barrier that Christ has destroyed. Here's the first thing that I want you to see in, in Ephesians 2.11. The dividing wall separating, that separated Jew from Gentile. Now, if you're not familiar with that language, a Gentile is just anybody who's not a Jew. And there was a barrier that divided Jews and non-Jews. Listen to what we read in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth, that's me, most of you, if not all of you, Gentiles by birth, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. In other words, it wasn't God who did it. So here's what we see here. Jesus Christ came to destroy a barrier that divided Jew from non-Jew. 
because the Jews had separated themselves from non-Jews. The point of, the, of their existence was that God had chosen them to be a special people. And this special people were to be a proclamation to the world of the goodness and the nature of God himself. They were to reflect the character of God, the goodness of God. And what they did was they separated themselves. Now, they were to be separate in terms of their holiness, but they were also to take the good news of who God is and to reflect it into the world. But they didn't have that heart. At the very center of the place of worship in the temple, there was a dividing wall. There was a barrier, an actual wall that kept non-Jews from being able to go in and to worship with the Jews. The Jews called them the uncircumcised. Now, what that word reflected was that they didn't belong. You're not part of God's people. You don't belong. You don't have any part of God's community. They called themselves as Jews the circumcision, those who had been circumcised, marking them physically as God's people, but many of them, their hearts were far from God. But then Jesus died on a cross, and that, that wall that divided Jew from Gentile, that wall that kept Gentiles from being able to worship God, to know God, to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, they, that barrier was destroyed forever. Today, we gather this morning as people from different cultures, as people from uh, different ethnic backgrounds. But here's the reality. There is no wall that exists between us. We are God's children together. We read on and we see a second wall. And that second wall we see, and it's a wall that divides, keeping us from God. Now, remember... That the Gentiles now, because of what Christ has done on the cross, the gospel of Jesus is available to all people, regardless of who they are, regardless of their background, regardless of their race, regardless of their culture. The gospel of Jesus is for all people. The church of Jesus Christ is for all people. Listen to what we read in verse 12. Remember that at that time, he's speaking to the Gentiles and to the Jews who didn't know God. Listen to what he says. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were not part of the covenants that God had made with Israel. You were not part of those great promises. But God, God has enfolded us into those promises. God has engrafted us into those promises. We, as people who are not Jewish, we are part of the same promises that God made to Abraham. Those promises are for us as well, fulfilled in Jesus Christ, fulfilled through what Jesus Christ has done for us. So listen to who we are before we know, knew God through Jesus Christ. We were ex separate from Christ, we were excluded from citizenship. We were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. We had no hope, and we had no God in our lives in this world. And then we come to the great promise. Jesus destroyed the wall. 
This is our reality. The wall that divides in our world, that divides gender from gender, race from race, culture from culture, nation from nation, that wall does not exist any longer. We are God's children together, one church, one body, united by our love for Jesus Christ, united by what Christ has done for us on the cross. Listen to what we read. But now in Christ Jesus, you and me who were once far away, we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Friends, back in 1989, people destroyed the wall that existed between East and West in Germany. We could do that. But these barriers, we could never destroy on our own. God had to destroy those barriers that kept us from Him by dealing with the problem of sin in our lives. God had to break the walls that keep people from being together, united in Christ. I got to tell you, friends, that's great news. In just a moment, Pastor Charlie, Pastor Charlie Wang is going to come and he's going to preach on the next section. Let me share these, these words that he'll preach out of. Beginning in verse 14, speaking of this Christ, whose blood has saved us. For he himself, Christ is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and its regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. We read on, and it says this in verse 17, He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Amen. Pastor Charlie. Thank you, Pastor Don. Yes, Christ has reconciled us to God. And not only that, he has also given us a new identity. What is identity? We talk about it all the time, right? Identity is how you describe yourself or how you respond when you're asked the question, who are you? And oftentimes we answer that question by telling the other person or the person our names. But in addition to that, we might also share with that person our profession. I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a pastor, or, or I'm a, a stay-at-home mom. And we call those our occupational or our professional identities. But sometimes we share more. We share with the person where we come from. For instance, you might say, I'm from Atlanta. And I'm only saying that not because I'm really from Atlanta, because I just came back from a conference there uh, where many of the Chinese pastors gathered together to talk about the future of Chinese church planting. And I just came back from it. Uh, yeah, my flight was delayed, yeah, all that. <laughs> And sometimes, or maybe you might answer to that question by saying that, oh, I am from Southern California. And if you're a person of color, especially when you speak with an accent, then you might get a follow-up question that asks you, oh, oh yeah, from Southern California, but, but where are you really from? 
Uh, Chino? <laughs> Where's Chino? Uh, LA, LA, how's that? <laughs> Oftentimes, our identity is deeply engrossed in our race, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. That offers us a very powerful and sometimes, unfortunately, forceful explanation to who we are, and also tends to shape the trajectory of whom we become. For instance, by identifying myself to others as Chinese-American, I'm offering an explanation to where I've, where I've come, the culture I'm accustomed to, the food I eat, the values that are instilled in me, and the nationality I now have. Moreover, by identifying myself as Chinese American, I'm also acknowledging to myself many realities I'll never be able to shake off. For instance, my ancestry, my biological characteristics, my skin color, my facial features, and sometimes the external challenges and stereotypes I'm to face with. Identity is a powerful thing. So powerful, it could reorient us when we're lost, when we're confused about who we are and where we're at. But sometimes it can be very divisive especially when we misconstrue and misunderstood its implications. And I think that's what's going on with today's passage. And Paul understood that. That's why he wanted to turn our attention to Christ, especially his identity. For he himself is our peace. Who is Christ? Christ is God, yes, He's the second person of the Trinity. He is the Son of God. He is the Redeemer. Yes, yes, yes. But listen, Paul says, for he himself is our peace. He is our peace. Not the peace in the abstract, but our peace. It says something about our relationship with each other. And what has he done? He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commitments expressed in ordinances, especially the circumcision and the laws that divide the Gentiles from the Jews, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So Paul wants us to turn our attention to who Christ is, his identity, what he has done for us, and by showing us the cross, his death, he's telling us that Christ has died not only to heal me, oftentimes we understand Christ's brokenness as Christ being in my place, died for me, and then thus he could heal my brokenness, which is true, not denying that. But the imagery that Paul is offering here is the wall or the walls between us. We're going to receive communion today, uh, together today. And I want to help all of us to see that as the bread is broken, Christ wants us to see that the walls are also broken down, are tumbling down. 
that the distance, that the differences between us should no longer make us apart. And then by his resurrection, he wants us to see that now we have risen as one body. And it is very important to realize that what Paul is saying here is not that our new identity will thus eradicate all of our former identities. I will continue to be a Chinese American. I am, I still have the biological feature that I have. But it's okay. It's okay. Because the walls are broken down. The differences are there, but now I could see those differences through God's eye, through Christ. So praise be to God that now when I see the other person's difference, not only that, I know that not only Christ covered that, but not covering that as if that's a shameful thing to be covered by Christ. But understanding that those differences should really be celebrated, should be cherished. Because the differences that I have between me and you, that I have with you, really point to that Christ is truly the Lord of all. The Lord of all nations, the Lord of all tongues, and that he is indeed the hope of all. Amen? Amen. And so Christ has given us a new identity. And what is that new identity? We are one new man. Amen? What we love to do in our congregation, honestly, I do it all the time. I don't know if they enjoyed it. <laughs> but what we do all the time is to turn to our neighbors and, say, and, and repeat after something I say. So would you... Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, we're one new man. That's some cultural appreciation there. <laughs> and now I'm going to turn it to passage day. He'll be sharing with us from the next portion of the passage, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the households of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is God's word. My passage starts with the word, consequently. That means Paul is concluding uh, what he has been saying from verse 11 to 18. And as Pastor Don and Pastor Charlie preached, verse 11 to 18 emphasizes two different reconciliation. First is vertical reconciliation, meaning between God and sinners. And the second reconciliation is horizontal reconciliation, meaning between Jewish believers, and Gentile believers. And we all have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now Paul says in verse 19, consequently, because we all have been reconciled, 
consequently, or other versions of the Bible says, therefore, or so then, Gentiles, Ephesians, you are no longer foreigners or alien. And as Paul concludes chapter 2, which was mainly about reconciliation, he gives three pictures that illustrate the unity in the church. He gives three pictures that illustrate the unity in the church. So the first picture is uh, found in verse 19. The first picture of unity is that we are all fellow citizens of the kingdom of God. We're all fellow citizens of the kingdom of God. We all have a homeland, the kingdom of God, and each and every one of us belongs to this amazing eternal kingdom, and we will all live in God's kingdom together forever. That means you get to see me every single day, (laughs) eternally. And second picture of unity is that we are all members of God's household. That means we are one family in Christ. We all have been adopted into God's family, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Although Crosspoint has multiple cultures, languages, races, and generations, we are one family in Christ. The last picture of unity can be found in verse 21 and 22. And that picture is that we are joined together. That we're joined together and we rise together, meaning we are growing together to become holy temple in the Lord where God dwells. That means three congregations are joined together and we are growing together as one church, one body in Christ. And I truly love how, you know, what we're doing right now how we're worshiping God together because in heaven, the worship would look just like how we are worshiping God right now. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to 12 says this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, just like us, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and the el- uh, and around the- all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. At Cross Point, we get to foretaste the heavenly worship every Sunday. And as one church, as one body, let's continue to worship our awesome God. So we are united as fellow citizens of the kingdom of God, And we are one family, and we are one church in Christ. And on top of all of us being united as one family and one church, Paul states one more important fact about unity in the church, and that is the foundation of the church. That means what what keeps the church together? What makes the church as one? Paul says in verse 20, The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. 
That means the church is built on their teachings and proclamation of who Jesus is and what he has done for all of us. Also, Paul said in verse 20, the foundation of the, ch- uh, the, foundation of the church is Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. Dr. Ein said this, the cornerstone was the most important stone of the foundation, bearing the weight of the building and tying the walls firmly together. Christ is the anchor of the foundation that is built by the apostles and prophets through their oral and written proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says that this new temple or new church is built on Christ, the vital cornerstone. The temple built on Christ, or the church built on Christ, reminds me of what Peter said to Jesus when Jesus asked this most famous question, who do you say that I am in Caesarea Philippi? Upon that question, Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. What a beautiful confession. By the way, Messiah and the Christ both mean the anointed, Messiah is the Hebrew word, and Christ is the Greek word. And Jesus affirmed and blessed Peter for his confession. And Jesus said, Matthew 16, 18, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus said, on this rock I will build a church. On this rock refers to Peter's confession that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And as Paul said earlier in today's text, Jesus is the chief cornerstone and foundation that he keeps the church stand strong and united. And Jesus encouraged and challenged Peter to put his confession into action. We have to know that Confession comes with responsibility. Going back to Matthew 16, verse 18. And I, tell you, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And Jesus said, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. People often take the gates of Hades will not overcome it to mean that Satan will never defeat the church. And that is absolutely true. But there is one more powerful meaning. Reformed theologian Daniel Dorani said this, but gates are defensive weapons. Defensive weapons. They are fortifications against attack. Therefore, hell's defenses will not prevail as the gospel goes on the offensive to win people to Christ, to raise the dead to life. In short, hell cannot, hell cannot stop the advance of the gospel. The church will overcome hell's defenses and Jesus will build his church. I love this. Imagine this, breaking the gates of hell. Imagine the gospel breaking the hell. And the gospel goes throughout the world, throughout the cities, and people coming to Christ. Jesus wants Peter and his disciples and all of us to know that through the gospel, he will build his church. That is, Jesus will increase 
and he will strengthen the Messianic community, the church. Crosspoint cross point families, today, the world and the culture, they're all going against the word of God. The world says there is no absolute truth now. But we Christians must not shrink back from what the world claims. We must not let today's culture to redefine the word, to redefine the truth. God's word has been and is and will be always true forever. No matter what this world says to us, no matter how much pressure we get from this world, Jesus' church, cross point, we must stand on the foundation that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the way. He is the truth and the life. He is the living water. He is the light. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is our creator. He is our healer. He's our provider. He's our king and he's our Lord. He's our shepherd. He's our savior. And he's our ultimate judge. That is our foundation. And as fellow citizens of, citizens of the kingdom of God, and as, as one family, as one church, our church, cross point, with one foundation, Jesus as the chief cornerstone, let's continue to worship our God, and let's continue to love, serve, and pray for each other and pray for the world, and let's carry out the ministry of reconciliation by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ boldly and confidently, knowing that hell cannot stop the advance of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, for reconciling us to you through your son, Jesus Christ, who came for us, who lived a perfect life for us, who died for us, who resurrected for us, and who is coming back to take us to our real home. God, as we look around this world, almost everything is, is going against how you created and how you intended. But we pray that your church, cross point, we will not compromise our faith and will stand strong in you. Help us to fight the good fight in faith. Strengthen us, God, and empower us and use us, your church, Crosspoint, as your powerful vessel to restore this city, this world, and this generation for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.